0: The following is part two of my conversation with Dr. Steve Almond, head of Connected Care for the Mayo Clinic, already in progress. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. So Dr. Amund, what are some of the challenges or hurdles to embracing this technology? I mean, you talked about the fact that some of the doctors were were less willing to do this pre-COVID. What other obstacles do you see kind of standing in the way of broader adoption of this kind of technology?
1: Yeah, I think I think that uh, we've we've largely hit an inflection point with the provider side, just with the concept of providing remote care. Obviously, the better it is, the better the user experience is, the more that adoption is going to occur. I think the bigger issue, particularly if you look at uh, Mayo Clinic here in Rochester, Minnesota, we we literally live in rural southeast Minnesota, and um, you know we we have issues with some of our communities don't even have four G signals yet. And so one of the things that we have to be careful is as we're designing hardware solutions and software solutions to, to deliver this care, they can't depend on the highest level of 5G signal. They should be able to take advantage of it, but they have to be written in a way to take care of patients who have less robust uh, signal strength. Uh, so that those patients can still get care, we don't want to force a broader digital divide, um, which which would cause an issue, particularly with our community-based practices uh, at Mayo Clinic. Now
0: that's a great segue because I know there are tons of folks, 18 million Americans who don't have adequate broadband. How big of a problem is that, f- and how big of a hurdle is that for really delivering care? And how does how do you I guess account for it, or think, or plan around the fact that some folks just don't have that kind of broadband connection?
1: Yeah, I I think you really you have to be conscious of it as you're as you're planning it. And and for some hospital systems, some providers, it might not matter. I mean, if you're if you work in Manhattan, you probably don't have to worry about that as much as if you work in northern Minnesota or western Nebraska or, or, or somewhere like that. But you have to plan your systems that way. When, when uh, COVID uh, first started happening, I uh, actually was in a location, uh, I had been on spring break with, with, with my, my son and did a few video visits because I sequestered there for a while. And, and that, in that spot, I only had 3G signal. Uh, I was still able to do some video visits that way. The quality was very pixely. Uh, there was you know, tremendous gaps So while the equipment worked, it wasn't ideal, but you also have to have a fallback plan. And sometimes that was, let's just convert this to a phone conversation and be able to shift that in a workflow very fluidly. So it doesn't look like you're losing a lot. You just convert on the moment, uh, just like we do in, in, in real time in our personal lives. You know, If we're having a, a a video chat with our family and it's bad and there's still information you need to exchange, you sometimes just convert it to audio only and you complete the conversation. And so we have to be be fluid that way. And we have to make sure we choose the right solutions, products and solutions for our health systems patient population so if you work in a rural area you don't want a, you don't want a solution that requires super high bandwidth.
0: Uh, you make a great point there you know a lot of folks were forced to work from home and, and clearly when the lockdown began you were in an area that didn't have a great connection. I, I'm just curious like between you and your colleagues when you were forced to work from home, how that changed things and, and what uh, what that experience was like with given the fact that there were varying levels of broadband access.
1: Yeah, I think I think the, the, the biggest issues we had when we converted to a to a working from home situation for the providers was just making sure they had uh the right equipment at home with the right kind of HIPAA compliant security issues on, on, on their equipment so that they, they could conduct those visits in a way that everyone was happy with. And that took a it didn't take as long as, as it normally would, but it took longer than you would hope it would in terms of getting everyone properly set up and, and deployed and teaching them the right sequences of, of a, a starting a, a video visit uh, from their home. We, I, I know of one of my colleagues whose home is in an area that does not have great uh, broadband. And so he's having to, he's he's actually having to go into his office, kind of shut the door and do do his work from within the office because he doesn't have that. So that, that's a reality. I've had some patients who just simply said, I, I would love to do a video visit with you, but we just don't have it where I live. I don't have enough, you know, I can't even get a cell signal in my living room some days. So so we, we just have to be cognizant of those things happen and have to figure out workarounds for it. So, so it was more workflow hurdles than endpoint hurdles, but, you know, that's, that's what we're getting to now.
0: And Dr. Alban, do you see 5G accelerating the trend of doctors working from home and, and sort of practicing telemedicine more full-time? Or is this, is this really just sort of a one-off trend as a result of the coronavirus?
1: yeah i I really think that it has to do more with getting comfortable with doing care remotely more than it has to do with what the promise of five g is i i I don't want to downplay it too much but uh, to take a profession who has held on to its tradition of uh, the in office visit on a periodic basis as as the mode of operation that change management uh is still in process and that's going to have the bigger uh, impetus to uh, transition to more remote care, more real-time care for, for patients who need it where they're at rather than them having to stop their lives and come into the doctor's office. And so that, that workflow change management, that tradition change management is still going to have a greater push than the promise of what 5G offers right now.
0: That's the end of the second part of my conversation with Dr. Steve Amman of the Mayo Clinic. You'll hear the final part on Friday. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter, at The Daily Charge, or sign up for direct text messages from me by heading to cnet.co slash dailycharge. And if you liked what you heard, please subscribe and rate the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.